Hi, this is Adam Godbold, pastor of Faith Methodist Church. We're so glad that you're listening. Uh, the sermon this morning, taken from uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 40 through 47, uh, is a look at what a healthy family looks like. It's titled, A Healthy Family, and it's a look at what the life of the early church was and how healthy families live together, and particularly how a healthy local church, uh, a healthy family, lives together. We hope you enjoy. I invite you to turn with me this morning to the New Testament book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 is where we'll be. And we'll read verses 40 to 47 in just a few moments. But I I wanted to take a moment while you're turning there to um, once again express um, our gratitude for y'all's expression of love last week uh, for Pastor Appreciation Month. Lindsay and I and the kids were really excited. Bill asked me on Thursday when I saw him at Devereaux, he said, have y'all used the mugs yet? I said, yeah, we've used the mugs. All the kids got to use their mugs and Lindsay, well, except for Daisy, hers is being kept until she's able to hold it. And uh, Lindsay and I got to, to use our mugs for, with some hot cocoa with the, theirs. If Bill was in here, I was going to pick on Bill and say, I'm out of coffee. I'm going to need some more coffee. I'm joking. I've still got a lot of coffee. That's a, several pounds of coffee that y'all gave us, and we are so thankful. Um, it is a joy uh, to pastor a, a flock of, of, I don't want to call you a flock of sheep, a flock of God's people like like you. Um we we are so grateful to be able to share life with y'all and to uh, and to lead and to be a part of what God's doing uh, in our church and we want to thank you for y'all expressing your your love and appreciation to us. Thank you very much. The word of the Lord from the Acts of the Apostles. With many other words, Peter testified and exhorted the crowd, saying, "Be saved from this perverse generation." Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now those who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods, dividing them among all as anyone had need. And so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, with breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Father, we pray, thanking you for your word and asking that you would bless it. We ask that you would bless It's reading to our hearts and to our minds that you would challenge us by it and encourage us with it. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be doers of your word and not hearers only. Lord, we pray that you would transform us as we gather together as your people. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move among us. That you would speak into our hearts. That you would speak into the middle of our lives where we are as people. And we pray that you would conform us to Jesus. We want to be more like Him, and we want to be wholly His. We pray all this in His mighty name. Amen. Last week, we reminded one another of the call of Jesus to invite others into the family of God that we are to go and reach others, not just to stay and try to draw them, but we are commissioned. We are sent. We are sent out. In fact, 
the church, ecclesia, uh, is the called out ones, called out of the world in order to be sent back into the world as a different people and as light to the nations. Jesus compels us to go and to reach others. We are to welcome them then into the life of the church, into the family of God, making space for them, making room for them in our lives and in our midst. That's really the the shape of the Christian life. Brought in, built up, and sent out. That is God's will for us. And as Christians, too often... We, we think that, that the Christian life is just about us coming in and being fed and, and we're never, we never have that mindset of being commissioned and sent out. We think we leave just to kind of go and burn up our energy, burn up the energy of the spiritual calories that we've gotten at church and we don't think about the fact that too often we don't think about the fact that God is, is calling others to Himself through us if we will yield ourselves to that. Last week I mentioned that Jesus reached you. He reached me. He reached each and every one of us through other people. And He wants to reach other people through us. Jesus wants to use you. He wants to use your life. He wants to use you in the midst of your ordinary days. Remember a few weeks ago I, I was preaching on the Great Commission and, I, and I, I pointed out the fact that Jesus did not command us to go. It's actually a participle. Sorry, I taught English for too many years. Participle. As you are going, make disciples. In our everyday lives, in our Mondays at work, in our Sunday afternoons around the grill in the neighborhood, when the neighbors smell that we're cooking something out, in the midst of our everyday lives, Jesus is sending us to call others back in, to call others into His family. And so this morning... Let's think about this very important question together. The question is this, what kind of family are we to be if we are welcoming others? If we're calling them in, if we're saying, hey, God is putting together a family here and it's an awesome family, it's a healthy family, what does that family look like? Because that kind of family, it seems, will necessarily be a healthy family whatever a healthy family might be. And we don't have the greatest examples in our neighborhoods of what healthy families look like. And so let's think about what a healthy family looks like, particularly as it relates to the family of God. Last week I made a a few observations and then we walked through the text together. This morning I want to instead, let's walk through the text together, make a few comments about it, and then I would like to share some observations with you. Some observations that are hopefully of the encouraging sort of nature, but then others that are of the challenging sort of nature. Uh, observations, the Scriptures call us to edify one another, but also to admonish one another. And oftentimes that was what we find when we encounter His Word, is we're lifted up, we're encouraged, we're excited, but then also we say, oh, wow, I'm not really doing all that well in this category. Notice that Pentecost is the birthday of a new kind of family. The church, God's family, the family of God. Pentecost takes place in the book of Acts in chapter 2. The disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in tongues and other languages. And all of the thousands upon thousands who have throughout the Roman world descended upon Jerusalem for this great festival, this, this 
feast of Pentecost, of, of harvest that God has once again provided for His people, all of these people who speak a multitude of languages from all sorts of different regions throughout the Roman world, particularly in Palestine, hear the gospel in their own language and they say, what is happening here? Some, God is at work or these people are drunk or something. Something is not adding up here according to what we would naturally expect to happen. They're, they're speaking in languages we aren't familiar with and yet we're hearing those, those words in our very own languages. And so the Holy Spirit comes and a new thing, a new family, a new organism, a new, a new life begins in Christ at Pentecost and boom, the church is born. The church is birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. He gives life to this new being, this new family. He is the animating force, the animating person. He is the one who gives life. Not only that, but He is also the one who sustains and nourishes this new life. The Holy Spirit is not just involved in the birth of the church. He is involved in the feeding of the church, in the constant care and, and, and upkeep and, and maintenance of the church. He nourishes it and He sustains our life. You and I, as Christians, as believers, we are only alive in Christ through His Holy Spirit. And this life you'll notice here at the end of the book of, of chapter 1 in the book of Acts, this new life is characteristically different from the life of the world. It is fundamentally different. It is, it is so strangely different from the life of the world. It is self-giving. It is other-oriented. It is sacrificial in a world that despises sacrifice. It is filled with holy love, not just feel-good love, but holy, active, transformative love. Peter declares, be saved from this perverse generation. And people are brought into the family of God through baptism. They're welcomed in. They're given that new, that new sign of covenant with God that they are believers in Jesus. And that day, 3,000 are added to the church. And then it begins to walk through what is the characteristic, uh, really kind of the daily and weekly maintenance of life of these new believers of this church. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Side note, don't tell me doctrine doesn't matter. It does. And in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, sharing meals together, Feasting on the Lord's Supper together. That's an allusion to the Lord's Supper. But here he's, also, he's talking about sharing meals together. In fact, in, in the early church, one of the things that, that was characteristic about the communion meal was that it was, it was kind of the dessert of a larger meal, a larger festivity and celebration where food was eaten plenty. People broke bread together and went from house to house together. They were in each other's homes because they were all about fellowship. Spending life together, sharing life together, walking through their every day together, praying together. And the result then is that fear comes upon every soul. Signs and wonders are done through the apostles. 
And God continues to build them, continues to grow them, continues to add to their numbers. I don't think uh, Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, understands the, the term multiplication because here he's not talking about just addition. You're talking about 12 disciples, really 11, then they add one back in after they throw dice to figure out who that's going to be. They add him in. Maybe there's hundred others in the upper room with them. The Holy Spirit comes and 3,000 are added. That's not mere addition. That's multiplication. But, but then others are being added to the church daily. Why? Because they're continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Now I think, when I think of that, I think of how lame my Christian experience within the church sometimes has been. Well, really always has been. I don't think there's ever been a time where I've spent every day at the church with God's people. Maybe for an hour a night during a revival uh, session or something like that. But here they are meeting daily in the temple to pray together, to worship together. If we're to grow like this, if we're not, and that's not just numerically, if we are to grow as God's people, we have got to be more serious about dedicating time with other believers. We need to be sharing life better together. And that's not just a Sunday morning thing, but that begins on a Sunday morning thing. You know, we often lament the time that we sacrifice on a Sunday morning. We think, man, it's my weekend and that sort of thing. Sunday morning or Sunday, the Lord's Day in the New Testament, that was a work day. That was the first day of the week. Their Sabbath was Saturday. Their Sabbath began on Friday. And so Sunday morning, that's a work day. And the disciples are gathering together to celebrate the resurrection. To celebrate God's work among them. This is a new day. This is a new week. A new new creation day. And a new creation week. And here they are continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, eating their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And notice then what? Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the result then is the Lord adds to the church daily those who are being saved. It's an amazing thing what we see characterizing the life of the early church, this sort of shared communal life. Luke calls it koinonia, fellowship. The type of fellowship that's not just centered around, you know, some barbecue hot dog weenies and chips and crackers and dips and that sort of thing. It's not that type of fellowship. It is a shared life together. The fellowship of the ring type fellowship where we walk through life together, where we fight together, where we hurt together, where we struggle together. It's that sort of shared life, that fellowship, that community that characterizes the life of the early church. And the result is that God is doing amazing things in and through and among His people. Things that blow our minds as people are coming to Christ on a daily basis in this ragtag hodgepodge of outlaws and weirdos that God has put together to be the early church. 
So what does a healthy family look like? There are a lot of things that we can say. We can all obviously emphasize unity. We can obviously uh, emphasize, emphasize doctrine that's going on here, this sort of teaching and raising up and training the minds. That's characteristic of a healthy family. But I want to highlight just five, five somewhat obvious things this morning, make some, some very obvious observations, but sometimes we miss the obvious. Sometimes we miss what's right under our nose. We're like, we're like dogs, you know, you put a little treat down and, and you're like, hey, here, here's your food and it doesn't matter what you do with your hands, they're just looking at your hands. You're pointing right there, right there, and they, they, they miss it. Sometimes we're like that. I did not call you sheep, let the record show, and I did not call you dogs this morning. All right? I'm a very loving, caring pastor. A healthy family spends time together. Yeah. A healthy family spends time together. They spend time, time together on a, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and even on a yearly basis because healthy families have a rhythm of life together. Obviously, there, there's immediate parallels that we can draw to the church family here. Our daily time together. If you're not talking to somebody that's beside you in this room, Maybe not daily, but periodically through the, throughout the week. And I know when we're not all phone call type folks, but text, Facebook, whatever it is. If you're not in contact with other believers, people who are your brothers and sisters in Christ who can encourage you, you're missing out. Because the Christian life, if we're living the Christian life just based upon what we experience in an hour setting or, or an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, if that is the totality of our Christian fellowship, we are going to be anemic Christians. We are going to be starving. And many of us, as, as we look at our lives and many of the people around us, as we look at the lives of the people in our culture, we realize that people are indeed starving for real relationships, relationships with real people. A healthy family spends time together. A, f- a healthy family sets down sacred moments, moments that aren't occupied by the cell phone. And I'm bad about that. Banks and always pick on each other when he gets me set up with the lapel so he can record and everything. He always says, oh, I got my cell phone off my hands. I'm glad. And I always joke with him about messing with the cell phone too much. And I know that I probably must mess with mine far more than he does. I don't know, but maybe. But, but healthy families set aside those sacred moments where we're not occupied by other things, but where we're totally present to one another. And that's hard to do. It's hard to do because we live among so many distractions. We've got the distractions of the TV. We've got the distractions of the game that might be on the radio if it's not on TV. We've got the distractions of things that have to be done around the house, chores that have to be done, dishes that have to be washed, school that's got to be done, homework. The cell phone keeps buzzing in our pocket. We live constantly distracted, but a healthy family spends time together really Together, guys, if, you, if you're not part of this Theology Thursdays, you can catch up because we're still working on that same book. There's a chapter in there. I won't tell you which one because I want you to read the whole thing. There's a chapter in there. David can tell you about it. Which challenges us to be attentive to others that are in our lives. Really and truly and fully attentive. Spending real quality time. You know, families... 
often go on vacations together, typically in the summer. Maybe, maybe you're a, a winter vacationing family. You want to go where it's snowing, go get a cabin out in the woods or something like that. But typically there's that rhythm of life that healthy families find themselves getting into. And a church family is no different. There are daily and weekly, monthly, annual, annually, yearly, we'll stick with yearly, rhythms that we are invited to get into so that our lives can be transformed together. So that our lives can be conformed to the pattern of Jesus, to His life and His image together. And a healthy family also shares responsibilities. They share responsibilities to get the chores done and to get the bills paid and all the other things that have to be done in living within the life and the fellowship of a family. They share responsibilities. They, they pull at the oars together. They bail water when water needs to be bailed together. They rake leaves when leaves need to be raked together. They share responsibilities. And you know what? There's fulfillment to be found in being responsible to another person. That's not a popular theory and idea today. We, we like to ask the question, responsibility, what's that? You know, we don't want responsibility in our lives. Jeremy knows where I'm coming from. He's picking up what I'm laying down. Little MXPX. Um, we, we don't like responsibility. We think it's an imposition on us. It even sounds like a terrible word. Responsibility? That sounds like a very weighty technical word, something that requires something of us. But you know, if you've ever, you remember, you remember being a kid when you were given a task, a special job, and you were able to do it and then be affirmed in it? That's a great job. You did a fantastic job cleaning up this mess. There may still be mess all over the place. You gotta go back and do it again. But, but there's a simple joy in fulfilling responsibilities. And shame on us as families and shame on us as a family of God if we don't share in the responsibilities of what it takes to be a body together. What it takes to be a family together. Members of a healthy family are accountable to one another because they depend upon one another. I've um, Aiden helps me with the trash each week. Each week I'm using my phone not to check out why it's blowing up or anything, but as a prop, Banks. Thank you. Um, I've, I've got an alarm set on my phone on, uh, on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock to remind me to get the trash out to the street. Aiden helps me with the trash. I see that hand. I'm, we're gonna, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. I see that hand. We're going to become one of those churches. Um, so my, my phone, I'll be in the middle of class down in Morrow, Georgia, and my phone will start blowing up, and it blows up uh, Fortunate Son by uh, Credence Clearwater Revival, a little CCR. And it, it's reminded me, you got to get the trash out to the street. Because if I fail in that responsibility, it's the whole family that's going to suffer. We're going to have trash piling up. We're going to have wild animals all outside the house trying to get into our garbage because we've got seven kids. It doesn't all fit in the can. It's piled up on top each week. So if you miss a garbage day, you're in a lot of trouble in our family. Every family has those responsibilities, those, those things for which we are accountable to one another because we depend upon one another. When we fail in our responsibility, when we say, hey, I'm going to do this to help. Hey, I'm going to invite these people. And we don't do it. It's the body, the family that suffers. Healthy families share responsibilities. And a healthy family communicates well. 
They speak regularly. They speak on the regular, on the often. They speak regularly and they speak honestly. How was your day? Not all that great. How about yours? Well, mine was a little bit better, but first let's talk about why yours wasn't all that great. It's, uh, it's difficult, even in a church family, to find people that will be honest with you about how they're doing in life. You know, we're like, we're like the spoiled teenagers. We don't have any teenagers among us yet, and so, you know, I, I can pick on them for a little while. We're like the spoiled teenagers, the ones that are just in their own world. We got our earbuds in, and we got our hoodie up, and how was your day? I was all right. What did you do at school? Not much. We don't want to talk. I mean, you think about the last time you asked somebody, hey, how's it going? And they told you it's terrible. Right now, it's just a really terrible time in life. We need to speak regularly together and honestly with one another because that's what healthy families do. They communicate well. It's not just a handshake. You know, it's, it's rare that you shake hands as a family. Maybe if you got little boys, you're teaching them like I am to shake a hand. You tell them, get your hand in there, get a good firm shake, don't crack knuckles. But on, you know, in a church family like this, typically we shake each other's hands and maybe hug each other's necks, a little side hug if that's what you're into. And we rarely get beyond that. We rarely get beyond, how's it going? All right, how's it going? All right. But healthy families communicate well, regularly and honestly, because they're sharing life together. And sharing life is about communion. It is about community, about Various people with various things going on living together in unity and communication is related to that. Words exchanged with one another. A healthy family makes and keeps commitments. You know, sometimes we refuse to make commitments to one another. I don't know if it's fear of letting the other person down you don't want to say you're going to be somewhere and then something comes up. But we, we're, we're bad in our culture about making commitments to one another and then keeping and honoring those commitments. I don't understand it. I'm extremely extroverted. I'll be honest with you. Not just on that point, but I'll be, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I'm a very extroverted person. Now, I used to be more shy than I am. When, I, when God called me to pastor... I thought, that is the craziest thing. I'm not going to get up and talk in front of people. But I was the type of person that always wanted to be there. I was not the life of the party, but by golly, I was going to be at the party. I wasn't going to miss it. Something was put on the calendar. I'm marking my calendar. I'm going to be there. Even if it's not something for me. I was the kid, I've told you before, I was the kid that when we got out of Sunday school, I would go to the gym, shoot a few hoops with my with my buddies. I was a little chubbier than they were, and so I didn't want to stick around there. And I would go down to the fellowship hall and drink coffee with the old ladies and the old men. Some of the ladies had blue hair. And, and I would have coffee with them because I just wanted to be around people. And it seems like we live among 90% introverts now. People that won't make a commitment because they don't want to, they don't want to get out there. They don't want to be around other people. They always want that, that ace, that ace in the hole or that, that wild card up their sleeve where like, well, I couldn't make it. But a healthy family makes and keeps commitments to one another. That's part of what 
it takes to be responsible and to be accountable as we actually make commitments and then we honor those commitments. And you see that all throughout the life of the early church. You see people that are communicating together, be saved from this perverse generation. Be baptized. Be brought in. You see, you see folks that are living life together, that are sharing life together, that are committed to one another, and that are honoring those commitments, keeping them. You see people who are gathered together on a regular basis, some of them daily. You see responsibility that's being shared, even, even as there are poor among them, people who can't pay their bills, people who are going to lose their homes. There are others with more who say, you know what, I don't need all this. I can sell some of it to help out. There are people that see their own responsibility in the life of their brother and sister. And the last observation I want to make this morning which is the obvious one in the text, and the one that we began with and the one that we began with last week, is that a healthy family grows together. A healthy family grows together physically as the kids get older. They become more like adults. Maybe the boys start getting a little fuzz on their upper lip and think they've suddenly got a goatee now. They They grow up physically, and healthy families grow up relationally. They begin to build histories together, backstories together, the things that make for good movie plots and good good epic stories. They're growing together physically, they're growing together relationally, and they're growing together experientially because they are sharing life together. It's that sort of family that God, through His Holy Spirit, gives life to in the early church. And it's that sort of family, that, that unusual and very, very particularly characteristic family, it's that type of family, a healthy family, that God then welcomes multitudes into, that He welcomes people daily into who are being saved. And that's the type of family I want for my family. And that's the type of family that I want for our family. We pride ourselves on being a family. We pride ourselves on being just like a family where everyone knows everyone and where folks can hurt together and folks can, can, can rejoice together. Let's be a healthy family. And I think we'll be amazed what God will continue to do in us as His people, what He'll continue to do among us as His people, and what He'll do through us as His people. If we will trust Him, and if we will say, Holy Spirit, would You fill us with the life of Jesus? Would You do in us what you did 2,000 years ago and what you've done throughout the periods and epics of, of, of church history as you have filled your, your people, your family, the body of Christ with love and with zeal and passion and as you've drawn the nations to yourself. If we will yield ourselves to His work in that way, and if we will together vow to become a healthy family, 
a healthy family filled with the Spirit of God, we will be amazed at what God can do among us and what He will do through us. Let's pray. Father, as we gather together as Your people, and as we quiet our hearts and try to quiet our minds, Lord, we know that You are at work because You are always at work. Your work is not something we have to conjure up. Your work is not something that we have to make happen or push. Lord, You are the God who is always at work. Every new day is a new day of new creation in Your hands. And so, Lord, what we want to do as Your people is we want to see where where You're working and see how You're working, and we want to roll up our sleeves and join You in that work. And so, Lord, so that You can work through us as we leave this place, we pray that You would work in us and among us as we are in this place. Lord, help us to surrender ourselves completely to Your work. Help us to give up all those things that we cling to in life. Lord, help us to break bad habits. Help us to build new habits. Lord, help us to be honest with one another about the changes we need to make and help us to be man enough and woman enough to hold each other accountable, to be responsible to one another, and to help each other thereby grow. Lord, we want to be a transformative type of healthy family, and we can only do that through the strength and power of Your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, help us as we sing one last song to open our hearts to surrender ourselves to the work of Your Holy Spirit. We pray all this in the name of Your Son, Jesus. Amen. And may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. May we go in the blessing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.